hello and welcome to the second episode of Second World Problems. Uh, that's two seconds in there and uh, we are more than two seconds in. This is going terribly. <laughs> I am uh, Morgan. Uh, you may be familiar with me from various other podcasts on this network and I am joined by the host who should be doing the introduction but has made me do it and now I'm flubbing it terribly. Uh, Finley, hello. Hi, Morgan. Yes, I'm going to make you do the, because you did the first one, you now have, you're obligated contractually, you didn't notice, but you signed a paper. That's fair. And you do all you the research as well, so I guess yeah. I should at least do something. <laughs> yeah, you just, you just have to be snappy and witty and we'll work on that. Yes, I will get there. Uh, so if you listen to our first episode, mm-hmm. which I'm sure you did, uh, because people, this is like the highest rated podcast when you're oh, currently listening to this, I'm absolutely. sure. Absolutely. Uh, we did a bit of a tease at the end about what we were going to be doing in the second Indeed episode this week. Uh, if anyone got it, uh, I haven't <laughs> we seen. We gave them no. We gave we gave, we them gave no clues to guess it. <laughs> but uh, yeah, if you if you want to guess it right now before the second, just you know go post on fuck your trap Facebook page. <laughs> Let us know. You've got about three seconds before we tell you. It's the mummy. It's the mummy. Uh, well, technically two two mummies. Yeah, yeah. What are we? What's what are we covering? So, I'll pass it because the mummy we know is like the nineteen ninety nine, the nineteen nineties, and then the third or fourth one was early two thousands. The, the yeah. Tomb of the Dragon so Emperor. It, it, um, second one was two thousand and two, I think. So and first one nineteen ninety something. One nineteen ninety nine. And then yeah, so two thousand and two, I think, and then about two thousand and maybe seven. So end of the nineties, carrying over in two thousand, but I still think it has a very nineties feel. About oh, it, so until you get it's to like the third it's one. quite even the third one. It's still quite. It just has it just has this um very nineties like it, it, it's that sort of um what's the word? It is sort of like pulpy vibe like yeah. it's just sort of fun and camp and weird it is uh but that's what you get when you get brennan fraser oh so good but also in 2017 we yes. were treated to the dooku version for those not familiar <laughs> the dooku is the dark universe cinematic universe yeah. now defunct uh, yeah now destroyed <laughs> by by that very movie yeah this is the movie that destroyed the dooku so. yeah <laughs> um yeah, it's kind of like a reinvention of it's, like yeah yeah it's not quite a remake so uh, the mummy in the mummy movies, and by which there are multiple, because there'd be some prior to nineteen. There are there are a set in the forties. There yeah. are about four. Um, have almost zero connection to the nineteen ninety nine version. There's a couple of like throw like throwaway things. Twenty seventeen takes more from the forties movies, but is bad, and I hate it. <laughs> but um, I'll try not to. I'll try really hard not to let that color my my analysis yes. today. But I don't like it. I. Well, can we also clarify that one of the reasons you may not like it is because you <laughs> because have a, I hate a terrible hatred for Tom Cruise, which yeah. is, I cannot fathom because sometimes Tom he does Cruise. fun stuff. I just, I don't know. I think I just have an issue with the premise in any movie that Tom Cruise is somehow the most capable person on the planet. I just cannot stand it. Have you seen the thing that the more Tom Cruise runs in a movie, the, the more money the movie yeah, makes? Yeah, you were telling me about it. <laughs> yeah. That's good. why Mission Impossible is so popular. Yeah. Because surely it, he spends half those movies. Look, the, every movie he runs more. <laughs> he doesn't run a lot in this movie. That's why it's really bad. Yeah, probably why. Yeah. <laughs> they need more more of him running as yeah. the mummy. Yeah. Spoiler alert. Yeah. Because he was the mummy. Well, sort of. It's it, Look, it's not a great movie. The plot is not well put together, I would say. I mean, it's it does bother me because... Do you remember the name of the actress who plays Aminette? In the original or in the twenty seventeen? No, I can't remember her name. Let me look it up. But she's she's in Star Trek and she's in so much other stuff, and she's Sophia Butella. Yeah. Butella. Yeah, Butella. She's so hot. She is in a bunch of stuff, and she's so good. And like, she's quite a solid actress in my mind. But the Mummy is just such a shit waste of her talents. Anyway, now that we've gotten that. that particular rant about our opinions out of the way um might just give a quick reminder of sort of what we're doing if you listen to the last episode you'll know but you know we'll just jog your memory so we're going to talk about the specific world building in this piece of fiction we're going to cover its invention its completeness its consistency and then break it down further into things that sort of make up the world itself uh this one this movie or two set set of movies uh, they're slightly so they're slightly different from what we did previously in that. Uh, so this is called Second World Problems, which does imply that we would generally be covering secondary worlds. That is not necessarily true. We are just covering general fiction of stuff that 
we like. Um, so it is subjective in that matter. In that manner, but uh, this is not a secondary world text. It has no. It is. It is no far removal from our primary world. It is set in the primary world, so it's not within that. So I'm just clarifying, and not very well, <laughs> that um, not all the texts we do are going to be set in a world that is significantly different from ours. Some of them will be set in our world, but we're going to cover them anyway, because. I make the rules. Yes, this is your show, your rules. It is also like an interesting just case, like because you've got like the the nineteen forties one. Yeah, 90s. and yeah, because it, yeah, it has so many iterations, and, and you have like different is like, tweaks. Not gonna lie, quite inaccurate in almost every aspect. <laughs> so, inaccurate so. based on. What, the original mummy text, if just, there is one, or just yeah, inaccurate. Well, the nineteen ninety one one not really related to the forties much at all. Uh, history in terms of archaeology is mostly inaccurate. Mythology is also inaccurate. I mean, you you don't have to call it inaccurate. You could call it creative. It's a it's a movie that they're, they're doing what they're supposed to do and creating a plot. But the actual there isn't much substance there, I suppose. So like they're extrapolating wildly on things that potentially did exist so that's why it's interesting as well so i suppose to start with the world itself it's set in 1920s egypt so our world and for this podcast i am a librarian from and, the movie yeah, yeah yeah and i a librarian who gets recast dare i say mm. and i am the librarian's quirky and money-minded brother. Yeah, Jonathan. I could be Brennan Fraser, but I, I have a fondness for Jonathan. Oh, I so. do love Jonathan. He's so good. He's actually, like, he's one of the bits about the... And, like, we're not talking about the Dragon Emperor, but he's one of the bits about the Dragon Emperor that I really yeah. enjoy. He is also, for those who like the same niche stuff as others, he's Batiatus in he Spartacus. He is. And he does such a good Batiatus. He's yes. just... He's a, he's a well-rounded actor. Really enjoy. Good choice. Yeah. All right. So, we're, we're in 1920s Egypt. It's hot. I'm Rachel Weiss. I'm really attractive. I don't. Are you Rachel Weiss yet, or is it is it Rachel Weiss? It's in the Rachel Weiss yeah. in the first two, and then it changes in the third. And then it changes one. in the third one. Yeah. Got it. And it's really weird. <laughs> um, and you are no. actor's name. Yeah, John Hanna. His name John is John Hanna. That's it, John Hanna. <laughs> and you are hiding inside a mummy's crypt to scare me. Yeah. So um, we that is exactly of... <laughs> where the first movie starts. <laughs> yeah. Although, does she do the she bookcase destroys, thing? She destroys yeah. the library. Yeah. And the the um, the um curator has such great lines. Oh, I just He says this one thing, like, when she does it, and, and it's so good. But I can't remember. I just remember it has to do with Ramses. But if you're watching the movie, it's a great line. Do you remember it? No. <laughs> I thought you might be able to save me there. No, I do not remember. It was, it was like something like when Ramses did something that was... Like a small mistake, you are a like disaster or whatever. If I'm good at my job, I will cut the quote right here. Sons of the Pharaohs! Give me frogs! Flies! Locusts! Anything but you! Compared to you, the other plagues were a joy! I'm so very sorry it was an accident. Darling girl, when Ramses destroyed Syria, that was an accident. You are a catastrophe! And that was the quote. Nice. <laughs> okay. So we sort of covered our initial thoughts and feelings generally, uh, or at least at the start, because um, I can't really hold back about how much I don't like the 2017 version. But we love the but we uh, love Brendan Fraser version. Love that version. Have watched it many times in our youth. Continue to watch it now. It's just a good time. I feel like when I was younger, because it was just like, oh, the Dragon Emperor came out the most recent and we had a copy mm. of it. I watched that the most. But now I think I go back and I watch maybe two or one the most. I don't know. I probably watch the 1999 Mummy, the, so one, the first the most, one, yeah, all the time. Because mm. I, I know that movie back to front. It's such a good movie. Yeah. And I just remember, there's a couple yeah. of like distinct things I remember, like his feud with Benny and stuff. Yeah. And it's yeah. like, we got all the horses. It's like, <laughs> sucks you're on the wrong side of the river. It's like such Brendan Fraser's delivery. He's so good. And I think for this movie, he was just coming off George of the Jungle. So he's still like quite. <laughs> yeah. He hadn't gone through buff. his downtime yet. Yeah. He was super buff and just highly attractive. But so, yeah. is, so is Rachel Weiss. Like they're just power couple yeah all right so let's get down to you know Brass the actual, tacks, yeah the whatever actual, that means the actual stuff of this this podcast so we're starting with adventure like normal there's not going to be a lot generally in this because it is set in our world so the the removeness of it 
compared is limited because it's still set in something that's so familiar to us. Yes. So it's harder to make it different. But, you know, it involves mummies, so cursed supernatural beings. Um, it Like we've mentioned, it's not the original iteration because there were the 40s movies, but it's joining that canon and it joins the... It, or it plays off the idea of like the curse, the curse of the money, mummy and um, the idea of like tomb inscriptions, which then lead to curses in Egypt. Um, but there's more on that a bit later, but it's, it's sort of playing off those, but those are things that already exist. So the invention is not very high again with the completeness it's in our world. So we, we know what that entails. So there's not, because we already know about it. It's not suggesting anything more to us because we live in this world. We already experience it. It's not, there's nothing like, sure, we're discovering Egypt, but you could go to Egypt and discover it yourself. Yeah. You don't have to watch it in a movie that is, for the most part, inaccurate. <laughs> <laughs> and then consistency. I mean, I've just written consistent in its inaccuracy because, again, it's like there's nothing to really comment on because it's, Everything that is familiar is so familiar to us. Everything that isn't familiar is generally incorrect in terms of actual historical or um, mythological lore. Yeah. So nothing to really do. <laughs> but I mean, when you break it down is when it gets interesting. So uh, talking about the nature and the setting. So the 1999 is set in Egypt. It ha- It's set in a supernatural version of our world. So you could potentially call it an alternate universe where mummies are real. Mummies are real in this world. That, I mean, well, mummification, the process is real. supernatural mummies. are not real. <laughs> that you know of. Could that, be. That's true, but um, somehow I doubt it. Uh, I have seen mummies at the Museum? Melbourne Museum yep. when they had the fairies exhibit. It was very interesting. Yeah. The 2017 it one. Goes places <laughs> sometimes is what you've written. <laughs> yeah. It spends a lot of time in London, England for yeah, my Yeah, it's, it's mostly in London, which is what I've written goes places sometimes because, again, <laughs> I really don't care about the 2017 movie. But also, like, I think um, it's mainly, it starts off in somewhere like Mesopotamia or somewhere like that. Uh, it's not quite Egypt, but, um, you know, that sort of. Area. Sandy. Sandy. Area. Sandy. 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 Ancient hot. area. Sandy hot. Lots of tombs. Yeah. For the purpose of this, we will refer to those areas as Sandy hot. <laughs> sandy you have hot. you have Sandy hot and um, empty cold. I don't and know. Empty. That is London. Though. <laughs> empty cold is London. No, no. It's sa- if we're talking London, it's Sandy hot and wet cold. <laughs> wet cold. <laughs> Grey cold. That's London. Yeah. <laughs> so there's a that's sort of. The main two areas. It doesn't spend very long in Sandy Hot. <laughs> it spends most of it in Wet Cold. Yeah. And it's not, it's just generally not the most interesting movie. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah, it was more it's, like shock. It was like, yeah, it the, wasn't even really thrilling. Yeah. It was just, I, I suppose it was. It did a it lot of the groundwork very, for the setup of the Dooku. Cause you had did. your whole. Because it, it played Henry with Jekyll the. Um, yeah, Jacqueline Hyde with Russell Crowe. It played with that. But it was so. Like, I I just have issues with things being grimdark these days. I just think it's very overplayed and very, usually very unenjoyable to watch. Yes. If you're doing something grimdark, it has to be done well. And just the movie was was like... I've heard the phrase grimdark before, but uh, as I was telling you, I've recently been watching uh, Next in Fashion Mm -hmm. and I was uh, acquainted with the term hope punk. (laughs) <laughs> and I really like that hope term. Hope Punk is great. And a, hope Punk versus Grim Dark is apparently the world we live in at the moment. And uh, Hope Punk is great. I'm all about a Grim Dark if, grim dark if it's done well. Apparently, this is not uh, the mm. original. Uh, not the original. The original is not. Even the original isn't Grim Dark. The, no, the, the original is is very fun. It's like, more it's of a fun not, adventure movie. Yeah. But yeah, they did go Grim Dark with the 2017 version. And you know what? It's it's 2020. We're all about Hope Punk these well, days. Yeah, we're, we've moved on <laughs> from the Grim Dark days and we're moving into Hope Punk. The Glorious Revolution. <laughs> All right. So the rules of this world. So um, I've separated them again by the years that they came out. So the 1999 Brendan Fraser I love, version. I love reading your notes. Mummies are juicy <laughs> until they kill some dudes. <laughs> um, oh, that's the tagline for this episode. Mummies are juicy. So it's just um, it's something that you notice is that prior to Imhotep becoming... Uh, Human? No, like a, a weird CGI mummy. Yeah. Like prior to that, when they first open it, they have just like the body of the mummy. And if you notice, it's done, they've done a really good job 
with the set piece there because he looks super juicy. Like he's like every he looks like he's still like freshly decomposing, and it's just you know yeah yeah it's 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 very yeah he's not a yummy mummy yet, but he's he's, <laughs> he's a juicy, juicy mummy. <laughs> the stages of mummy: dry mummy, juicy mummy, yummy mummy. <laughs> Correct. Three stages. <laughs> Yeah, um, they're tears. You have to earn your way to the top. <laughs> By stealing skin and eyes from other people. Yes. Um, so that's the rules, like, uh, or at least the rules that, as, as they are presented to us. Imhotep is alive, buried alive as a mummy, and provided he can... Well, I think it's because the canopic jars were broken. Is that why? Yeah, it basically has to steal the eyes and um, tongue and extremities of the dudes yeah, I think who, it's like, and then like those are like the who things touched, that will like oh who touched the canopic jars yeah um which are for anoxunamuna i actually think so basically the 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 american dudes who go in and are not great because they use slaves to open well not slaves but like workers yeah to open and like they the get stuff and they get killed and by traps and the guy is yelling at them very loudly it's just you know they sort yes. of had it coming because they're dicks they, this is one of those movies where the Americans, it's in that transition, like the Americans are obnoxious and, yeah. and they're bad. And you don't like... They, they, and like they even do that with with Brendan Fraser, with Rick. But he's still likable. Yeah, he's the so good guy. He's like, he's like the he's like the rogue and it's okay because he's he's on our side. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, basically the rules are that um, mummies are, as I said, as I've written, juicy until they kill some dudes. And then they can get skin and they can look human again and evolve into the stage of Yummy Mummy. <laughs> Not that I necessarily <laughs> think the form. actor <laughs> who plays um, Imhotep is Yummy, but, you know, different strokes for different folks. Then once they've done all that, they can also re- get their weird powers back. So they, they can turn into sand and go through keyholes and become tornadoes with faces in it. Yeah. And they're also scared of cats. That's that is one of my favorites. It's good because I believe that's probably like something that's based in some it's kind of... It's not really. But it, but we'll it, get to that. It, it doesn't sound ridiculous, but it, it plays for humour really it, well. It does. It's so funny. <laughs> and it is sort of based loosely in in Egyptian law. Like but there not is like cats really. play a part in Egyptian. Like I can see where they drew the line. Yeah. So that it doesn't feel out of place, but it's funny. Yeah, it's time. so funny. The other rules are that the plays of plagues of Egypt from the Bible can also be not Bible related because... Apparently they relate to mummies and not to the divine law of God. That's fine with me. I don't have a problem with that. I just think it's kind of weird that they were like, okay, so what are we going to put in here? Oh, you know what? Let's all the water turn to blood. Plagues of Egypt. Let's do that. But it's mummy related. I mean, that was, it's just a choice um, that they made. Yeah. It's just interesting. And the final rule for 1999 is that there must be quicksand guns and wit. And Ardith That's is bay. Ardith is... Because his yeah. name is Ardeth Bay. <laughs> he is... I do love her dead. He is the brooding, cool, mysterious oh, yeah. Yeah. helper hero yeah. of the Medjai. And also, I just really like... I just really love his actor. He's really good in <laughs> Resident Evil, another one of my favourite um, movie series. Mm. Uh, he's just... yeah, He is Bay. He is a good character. 2017 rules are mummies can be ladies too. What? Throw back to the 1940s version. Mummies can turn other people into mummies, which is interesting, slash trash, trap them forever in limbo, which is another throwback to, um, I think it's an American werewolf in London or a werewolf in London. Uh, so that's just, I don't know where they're getting that from. It's probably a new original version, but it's just sort of weird. Yeah. Uh, mummies have two irises. So they have two... Two eyes inside their eye. Did they say why? No. Okay. Just, they just do. That was just a look. It was just a look. And I'm look. It was it a was, double look. <laughs> they have two eyes. Every time they do it, I don't know, I just find it really off-putting because I don't know which one to look at. Yeah. I probably won't read the next bit verbatim because it's a little bit mean. <laughs> but we go back to the point that Tom Cruise is, again, the most capable man on the planet. Yes. That's he, that's kind of law or like rules that attach, attaches to <laughs> yeah, him. That's, that's it's not specific rule. to like this movie only. It's just like he, if that's, he's in it. That's, that's actually it. a law of our universe. <laughs> and it's gone over into the movie. And... Again, Dr. Jekyll is here because of the dark universe, which no longer exists thanks to this movie, because it single-handedly destroyed <laughs> any Depp and all hope of that. Johnny Depp could have been the Invisible Man. Oh, that would have been awful. <laughs> Culture and inhabitants. 
1999, the main characters are Rick, Evie, Jonathan, Imhotep, who is the mummy, Anaksuna Moon, who is his lover, who is dead, Ardeth Bay, who is a magi. This is also a throwback to the 1940s. Um, the name Ardeth Bay is the name that the mummy Imhotep assume, assumes in those movies when he's pretending to be human. Ah. Um, so that's basically the only throwback they have. And then, yeah, human is basically humans and non-humans slash mummies. That's what makes up the world. Because, like, again, we're dealing with a very singular issue, which is that mummies exist and that's really it. That's that's the premise. <laughs> there isn't anything else that's really different aside from that. Um, 2017 is the same thing. Uh, Nick Morton is Tom Cruise's character. He is the main character. You've really been quite mean to Tom Cruise in these <laughs> notes. There's a lot of references to his size that you're not you're choosing not to read out. Because <laughs> it's yeah, I just I just have issues. We get with it. Tom you Cruise. don't like it. <laughs> I don't like Tom Cruise. Um, there's Jenny Halsey. Halsey, who is the the doctor. She's the she's the female companion who is smart. Yes. Which is a fairly standard, if not great, thing in adventure movies. Yeah, I mean, it's the same. They kind of follow it like the, the similar... The it's things they do pull from the similar. original is that you have the male who is a mercenary, sort yeah. of, or like, like a gun for hire, soldier of fortune, and then you have like a educated woman I suppose or the academic. difference is that in 2017, it is Nick Morton or Tom Cruise who is pushing forward with the whole mummy thing. Whereas Brendan Fraser's more along for the yeah, ride. Yeah, he's... He's supportive of Evie. Evie's the one who does yeah. most of the stuff. He's, he's just, just the there one. to make sure she doesn't get hurt. And because he's the only one who knows where, where they're knows, going. Yeah, knows where they're going. But other than that, like she's the one who does all the translations. She's yeah. the one who does all the spells. It's she's it's all her intelligence that is setting up most of the things that happen. In the 2017 movie, there's also Arminette, who is the female mummy, played by Sophia Butea. Just super hot. Um, <laughs> even as a mummy and then of course there's Henry Jekyll played by Russell Crowe yeah just a weird addition to the movie that doesn't it doesn't add anything and it doesn't make a lot of sense it was it was groundwork for for uh, something for that will never universe, exist something that will never exist which is like so going like, back and watching it would be super weird yeah well, so they do, they there's s- no point to it because yeah. the thing that it was going to will never ever take form all you get is this weird moment where he does turn into Mr. Hyde it's not, and yeah, it's, it's like and yeah. Even then it's it, not even relevant. It's not. It has nothing. Oh, it, to it do helps with it. her escape is the only thing. Oh, like it, it leads yeah. to her escape. <laughs> we need I to have just, her escape, and we need to yeah. set up a future movie. That, Got it. That won't happen. <laughs> Doctor Jekyll is it going to happen? None of it. It has been single-handedly wiped from the face of existence for now. All right. So now we get into some of the like the meat of this actual movie, which is. The, the juicy meat. The, the juicy mummy the, meat. The <laughs> <laughs> um, I did not like that expression. <laughs> Do not care for it. Okay. Um. So, obviously, because it's set in this real world, especially in the 1920s, it does have some, I suppose, real connections to history. So, um, in the 1999 version, because it is set in the 1920s, it is connected to the archaeology that was happening at that time. So in 1922 is when King Tut was uncovered by the British archaeologist Howard Carter and his fellow archaeologist George Herbert, the Earl of Carvanon. Um, An interesting thing that I read on IMDb is that originally Evie and Jonathan were meant to be the children of the Earl of Carvanon and that sort of was a connection. It didn't end up happening in the movie, but it's just that again ties it back. When King Tut, when King Tut's tomb was um, first discovered, there was reports of a message written in ancient hier- hieroglyphs on the outside of the tomb. Translated, the message said, "Death shall come on swift wings to him who disturbs the peace of the king," which then gave rise to um, speculation. And at the time, that there was a curse on King Tut's tomb. It is, was. A- <laughs> is that the one that started the urban legend where people were supposedly dying? Yes. but it wasn't actually as many as they said, and it was a couple no. of like just so. Normal- what it was is um. A couple of people. So there was, there wasn't, people did die when they opened up mummy's tombs. It wasn't to do with curses though, but it was the 1920s. So the Earl of Carvanon did die following the opening of the tomb. It's because he was bitten by a mosquito and got blood poisoning. Yeah. But everyone was like, oh, it was the curse of King Tut. But Howard Carter was fine and he continued to live for quite a long time. Yeah. The other 
any other deaths that have to do with the opening of tombs usually relate to poisonous mold and things like that, yeah. which um, people encounter when going into the tomb. So these days people wear masks and they're usually fine. So there isn't, there's no such thing as a, as a cursed tomb in terms of like, uh, in terms of mummies, as, that we know as of. far as we know, um, <laughs> it's usually just science-based normal stuff. Spooky, juicy. <laughs> oh, I don't like what I've done. <laughs> Egyptian archaeology in general sort of began with Napoleon's invasion of Egypt in the sev- in 1798. He was obsessed with uncovering he was. Egyptian stuff. But I, I, we say, I say started, that's more when Western archaeology in Egypt started there were already things like you know um, people people had access to those tombs prior to that it's just that this was when rich westerners were like let's go dig up some tombs yeah which then also leads to the the problem that we have today in connection to these tombs which is that should the removal uh should the antiquities that have been removed from their homeland and are placed in foreign museums then be returned but there's no simple answer to that, yeah, but it's, it's like... important to to think about it, but also to realize that this movie does uh, play into that a bit because they do take treasures home and get rich off them. Yeah, that's all. Like Jonathan's big thing is he wants to get rich off finding something like a treasure or like yeah. he that's his kind of like character thing that he's always yeah. on about. And yeah, and there's the, at the end when they're kissing on the camels and the camels have bags bennies. of gold. <laughs> Huge bag of tre- two huge bags of treasure, and considering that the movie then goes on, and in the next movie they have a giant house. In the third movie again they have a giant house, and they're making lots of money, uh, n- not necessarily just off the treasures, but off their adventures. Because she these, is an author writing about yeah, their adventures in these areas. But yeah, it's it's a it's a contested issue at the moment. Well, it's it's at least brought to light at the moment that yeah. it's an issue. I feel like maybe like 10 years ago there were some big debates about it. I haven't heard as much about it later, but it's no, an ongoing we've issue. we've sort of moved on to things like climate change, yeah. which is fair. But, I mean, it's not – I suppose the thing is like when you're when you're not part of a culture who's had – and it's usually a colonised culture who's had things robbed from them and taken to display in a Western museum or just generally taken – you're probably not thinking about it as much. Yeah. But I imagine it's a much bigger issue for, for places in, like, you know, Greece and Egypt. Yeah, I think between, like, it's, like, usually, like, Greece and Egypt and then, like, something like England who did have, like, a stranglehold over that yeah. whole area. So it's usually, yeah. like, that kind of thing. Yeah. Those two, those countries. Another big thing that is real but not real in, not really represented, I suppose, not accurately represented in the movie is the Magi. The Magi aren't real. I love the Magi. The Magi are real. But their their purpose is not real. So the Magi are mostly known because of the mummy or also because of Assassin's Creed Origins. I didn't know they were in that. Yeah. I did. I played like the first mission and got yeah, bored. I, I should go back. I play now. Origins. It's not my favorite. Odyssey is because <laughs> I love Greece. But most people would know them from that. From the Assassin's Creed Origins wiki, they say that the Magi were an elite Egyptian paramilitary police force who served and acted as desert scouts and protected... Um, areas of pharaonic fer- interest throughout the old, middle, and new kingdom periods of Egypt. That is sort of true. It's about as true as a game that is based on the idea of Assassin's Creed can get. Because <laughs> Assassin's Creed does take real historical things and blend them into the game. But you have to remember it's still a fictional game about assassins. Yes. Which is why we love it. But... According to um, Kate Liska, who did her dissertation on the Magi, she describes them as an elusive people whom ancient Egyptian texts seem to refer to as either an ethnic or an occupational group. In the early part of their history, they appear to have been a subgroup of Nubians associated with a land called Meja. In the later part, the word Magi appears to indicate desert policemen of Egyptian origin. So she's written her dissertation about um, the shift because scholars a while ago postulated that the original desert-dwelling Magi moved to Egypt as mercenaries and then assimilated into Egyptian society. And she's sort of talking about the idea of them as a paramilitary force and whether or not that's real. So her conclusions in terms of that um, are that Egyptians likely created the Magi ethnicity as a stereotype that did not reflect actual ethnic divisions at the time. They were, prior to the second intermediate period, were primary pastoral nomads who took a variety of jobs and they weren't just mercenaries. But a specialised military unit probably didn't exist at this time. 
her third conclusion is that the role of the Magi in the Egyptian army during this time probably caused the start of a shift into um, the idea of the Magi as like a, a police force or, or, or a military group. And finally, that a Magi military unit may have incorporated um, Egyptians as early as the beginning of Dynasty 18. Dynasty 18 has so many pharaohs in it, but King Tut is one of them. So that sort of gives you an idea of that time period. This is all taken from the abstract to her paper. Uh, her full dissertation is available on Procrest. It is 690 pages long. So I didn't read. I <laughs> didn't read most of it. I only really read the bits about the okay. Magi as a military unit. The main thing is that the Magi were not, for a long time, they were not any sort of military force. At one point, there would have been, there was the potential for the Magi to become known as people from a specific place yeah. who were elite warriors. Yeah. Uh, if you are interested in reading more of that, all the links are posted in the description and there will be like reference to that uh, yeah. dissertation. If you want to read 690 pages about that, you are <laughs> so welcome. But yeah, <laughs> I did not. The Magi, the Magi and the Mummy are warriors devoted to preventing the rise of evil on Earth, specifically the res resurrection of Imhotep. They guard the ruins of Hamanatra, the city of the dead, against any who might lift the curse placed by Imhotep and any who desire to break into the tombs of the pharaohs and steal their treasures. That's in the current time, right? Because originally they were the guards they of the pharaoh, I believe. They were the guards of the pharaoh. Yeah. Cool. That's so it, more or less historically incorrect because obviously it's it's a piece of fiction. So, yeah, it they so they weren't, they don't. Do that. <laughs> they, they may have been a military force, but they weren't. Me, are you telling me no one is devoted to preventing the rise of evil on Earth, specifically the resurrection of High Priest Amotep? That is correct. Because someone should be doing that. Yeah. I mean, they didn't do a good job in the movie. I don't want no juicy mummies on my planet. <laughs> they didn't do a good job in the movie. He still rose. That's the whole point. The they movie killed, happened because they failed. But they killed all of the... Um, uh, the priests? The, the group that... Brendan Fraser was originally working for. I uh, forget yeah. what they're called. They the, they were uh, yeah the yeah the people. Yep. I know. I know. I forgot what they're called. They're like they're the, the mercenary group. Yeah, Brendan Fraser, <laughs> mercenary group. <laughs> what is this gonna bring me on Google? Uh, we'll, we'll move on. I'll go yeah. find it. Yep. So I mean, you have to you have to respect that they may have massacred all those people, leaving only Brendan Fraser and, and Benny. Benny alive. But then they survive? lost to a librarian, a guy who runs a club, Brendan Fraser, <laughs> and that's it. Just the three of them. Oh, and some Americans originally, but they don't last very long. Yes. So, but yeah, the they may have been military based, but not not necessarily in the way that Assassin's Creed and the Mummy are using them. Fair French enough, Foreign Legion. That's, that's what I was thinking of. That's yes. the group that Rick worked for. Yeah. So they all got massacred by by the Magi. Good on them. Yes, because they but they deserted and they were like hiding out at the city. I'm that whole sure. part's a bit. You that whole part is just set up. You get lines like references to it, but it's not. Yeah, important. it's mostly just set up to get to Hamanatra. It's like, how do we get to Hamanatra? How does he know where it is? Yeah. What how it's. And you have to admire Brendan Fraser because, like, on the promise of not dying he was like oh yeah no i'll definitely lead you back to the place with the creepy face giant face in the sand that yelled at me yeah i'll totally go back there i think he's seen a lot of stuff i also <laughs> think he's like the yeah i'll go back there evie's hot yeah that's true <laughs> and she is that's totally fair which version both or just the one i like rachel weiss yeah she's good she's the og <laughs> she is the og she's so good well she's probably not considering the 40s movies but she's the og to me yeah, so it has no invented language. It's in English. There's some Egyptian hieroglyphs, but again, it's in this primary world, so like, there's nothing there. But it does misuse Egyptian mythology quite a lot. So um, we're going to just talk a little bit about the things that in Egyptian mythology that are somehow connected to this movie, but they're not likely to be very connected because the movie's just like, we'll just do what we want. So in Egyptian mythology, when the soul leaves the body at death, um, it is thought to appear in the Hall of Truth to stand before Osiris for judgment. The heart of the deceased was weighed on a golden scale against the white feather of Mart. If the heart was found to be lighter than the feather, the soul was allowed to move on to the field of reeds, the place of purification and eternal bliss. If the heart was heavier than the feather, it was dropped to the floor, where it would be eaten by the monster Amut, the gobbler. 
and the soul would then cease to exist. So this is more to do with the um, the fact that there isn't really any sort of underworld or at least no conception of hell in Egyptian mythology. The idea of not having a soul at all was worse than the idea of any sort of torment. Yeah. So it's it's... I mean, because we're dealing with the undead, it's probably a good place to start. And the idea that there is there is the idea of life after death. So the so being condemned to eternal torment by being undead is a fair, fairly terrible punishment. Although probably not as bad as not as having your soul destroyed by a a, a demon yeah. monster. I've seen I've seen that in something before. It is the most is. common. Like I remember there was like most common story. So like if you had Egyptology as a kid, the gold the giant shiny gold book that none of us oh, could we resist. Had that. We had no we had dragonology. Oh, we for had me, dragonology. Which was awesome, because dragons are the best. Um but if you had the Egypt one, which I've also read as a child but did not own, that w- would have been in there. It's one of the most common stories in terms of re- Egyptian afterlife, so most people would be familiar with it. Another part of the Egyptian afterlife is that as part of the life after death is that Egyptians believe that people had two important parts of, I suppose, a soul. So there was the ka or the life force that they only had while alive and the ba, which was more like a soul. Um, and the ka and, and the ba separate when you die. But if you can be, if they can be reunited in the afterworld, the person would live in the afterlife. So they go and if they pass the thing, their car and bar reunited and they pass onto the field of reeds. Um, a key component was that the body had to be preserved for this to happen. This is why Egyptians used the embalming process or mummification to preserve the dead. And there was something important about this that I've forgotten. But yeah, they, so that's why you have to have you have to have a body. Your car and bar have to be united again to pass on but one of the things that makes the this movie sort of inaccurate i suppose is that mummification was an expensive thing to do and only the wealthy were able to take advantage of it so it's not a requirement for resurrection in the next world but it was really it was it was an a better path i suppose and what's so there's the thing like if you get mummified you're rich you bury all your treasures with you and sometimes slaves were buried because they would if you got, so, they would pass over with you. Yeah. You get all that stuff in the afterlife. So the idea of the Egyptian afterlife is that it is exactly the same as our current life, but without, basically without all the bad stuff. So without all the stress of actually being alive. <laughs> and that's why your, your, the things that make you use so of the car and the bar need to reunite in order for you to pass on to it. But it's, it's almost exactly the same and you get to spend eternity doing what you love whatever that happens to be it's just it's funny that mummification was expensive and only the wealthy were able to take advantage of it. i get imatep is a high priest but they're also condemn condemning him to the hum die the worst torture on earth and it's funny that they decide that the best way to do that is to spend lots of money mummy money mummifying him for that to happen and then burying his his thing his uh, tomb, epitaph. What's the the actual sarcophagus? Sarcophagus, yeah. Well, isn't it? Yeah, because like they want they bury him alive because they want him to be eaten by beetles, which is a big. It's like a big deal, right? I mean, I'm. It's, and then they mummify <laughs> his priests with him. Scarab beetles aren't carnivorous; they're omnivorous, no. but they don't eat people. Yeah. Um. So that's an addition that they've made. But it, the Homdai isn't a real. It's not a real torture method. It's not a real. They made it up. Yeah, it, it it so it's just that, yeah. If mummification was expensive, it's interesting that they choose to use it as part of their worst worst condemnation consequence possible punishment for for anyone. And they're like, oh yeah, you did something really bad, so let's spend lots of money 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 to mummify you alive. I mean, I get being mummified alive probably wouldn't be fun. But it's, if it's expensive, they will probably think of something else to do. So the Egyptian Book of the Dead, which is mentioned in the movie. So we didn't really go into that because it's basically like they all get to the same the place, the city. Yep. Hamanatra at the same time. Yep. And the Americans find the tomb with the, what are the things the called? The canopic jars. The canopic jars. But then Rick, Jonathan, and they find Eby, the book of the dead. They are like underneath, and they find the book yeah. of the dead. So they're yeah, they're digging at the bottom of the statue. Yeah, and um, they find and they find the book, the book of, of the, the dead. dead. So that 
is kind of what sets the tone. So that has the that has the when Evie opens it and recites with the iconic phrase, "What harm ever came from reading a book?" Recites, you know, whatever's in the book. It's that's what awakens Imhotep and yes. brings him back. And then he's going to use Evie to reincarnate Anaxunamun, who is his dead lover. Is, I mean, you've already seen this movie, otherwise you wouldn't be listening to this <laughs> podcast. But unless you just love Egypt, yeah. But even then, this is half but wrong. The Egyptian Book of the Dead, um, which does feature in the movie, is not really the book that they make it out to be in the movie. It is, there are many Egyptian books of the dead. They're a collection of spells which enabled the soul of the deceased to navigate the afterlife. Um, and the, the title was actually given to it by Western scholars. But anyone could have a book of the dead. It was just a guide to help you move on into the Egyptian afterlife. It was like, so it, was no like Egyptian, it was like Egyptian afterlife for dummies. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> So and anyone who could afford one could get one specifically created for you just to help you out. The connection with the cats, which we talked about earlier. Um, so, so I love this bastard, the the goddess of fire, cats of the home and pregnant women. It's like, what do you goddess of? Oh, you know, fire, cats, the home, pregnant women. <laughs> it's just like a random list. Yeah. So um, there are a couple of gods that do get sort of rep- represented or mentioned in the mummy. Bast is the one that comes in in terms of specifically to do with probably the closest to the cat and the reason that cats scare mummies. Um, She is the goddess of fire, cats of the home and pregnant women, as mentioned. She protected the home from evil spirits and disease, especially diseases associated with women and children. And she also played a role in the afterlife as a guide and helper to the dead, but it's not one of her primary duties. But that's probably why they chose to make the mummy afraid of cats. Aside from the fact that cats could play a big role in just Egyptian life. But um, specifically Bast was probably the reason that the mummy was scared. Because she is the one who... She sort of plays um, almost like a Hermes role in that she helps people to the afterlife. Yeah. The other one that is mentioned is Anubis. Um, he is the jackal god of mummification. There are a couple of Anubis Anubises running around in the background of when Imhotep is being mummified. Generally, only one person would probably be personifying Anubis, but I guess they're like, yeah, just put a mask on a couple of them would be fine. He assisted in the rites by which a dead man was admitted to the underworld um, and worshipped as the inventor of embalming. And he embalmed the dead Osiris and helped to preserve him that he might live again, which is a really tight story. Like if you want to go have some have some time, spend some time with Egyptian mythology, anything involving Osiris is usually pretty good because... Yeah, his he his stories are wild. His wife is wild. His entire family is wild. Just Egyptian mythology is just a wild, wild time. Horus is the other one that they mention. So they find the other book, the gold one that isn't real, doesn't the have book any. Book of War? No, that is what do they call it? Is it the Book remember. of Life? I don't know. I don't remember. It's but it's not. Real? Oh, the book of, is it the book of Amun-Ra? Yeah, yeah that's Amun-Ra. it, yeah. Not a real book, has no real world equivalent. So it's just, I suppose they just used it to counter the book of the dead. But it's found under the Horus statue. Um, so Horus depicted was depicted as a falcon or as a man with a falcon's head. And he was a sky god associated with war and hunting. So they're sort of the main ones that make up the 1999 sort of area. In the 2017, they choose a specific god to focus the creation of the mummy on so as opposed to it being a punishment or a um and then an eternal sort of curse it's a i suppose sort of a ritual that comes from summoning a god so they chose the gods the god set or seth which is slightly less um intimidating (laughs) uh so set was the god as i seth Was not go- intimidating. Sorry to all you Seths yeah. out there. Not an intimidating, no, 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 name. intimidating name. Uh but Set was the god of chaos, violence, deserts, and storms. And he is the god that Arminette calls upon to exact vengeance on her father, I believe, for having another child and displacing her from the line of inheritance. Uh, which is fairly... Is that in the 2017 version? Yeah. I do not remember that at it's all. It's in a flashback. <laughs> or like, it's when she's in the desert and she's got nice eye makeup on. But I mean, it's a fairly that's a fairly standard storyline, I guess, in Egyptian history. There are a lot of, lot of, like blood, like family blood feuds, lots of killing each other for the throne. So that's that's fairly standard, at least. 
set um, in the Osiris, the main Osiris story, um, and Osiris is associated with the dead because of this myth, he murders Osiris, um, or in some versions, um, he tricks Osiris into laying down in a coffin and then sealed shut, which to be fair, if that is, that is a version, good on, good on set and nice nice going Osiris but he <laughs> that's how to how Osiris actually gets his association with the dead is through this myth where Set does that to then basically take over as as the main god um because Osiris is the main god in Egyptian mythology if you want to watch a perfectly done adaptation of that go check out gods of Egypt <laughs> I can't in good conscience recommend that but you know what Morgan Morgan can that's fine. I recommend it because it's so bad, it's good. <laughs> That's fair. Many would say that about the Mummy, nineteen ninety nine. It's it's it no, it's perfect. No, yeah, it's good. It's 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 a good. Time. It has its problems. It does. Second world problems. Second name world of the problems. show, but it's still perfect. Yeah, it's pretty good. So that's sort of the mythology that touches on this movie. But like I said, there's the the connections are loose at best. Uh, but it's a it's. In terms of a narrative, it's a good time. And yeah, just if you like a good, you know, adventure treasure hunting movie, this is this is nice. So we actually, that's really it for me. We have philosophy and themes and then we're done. Philosophy and themes, pretty standard. Yep. I feel like this the top one. You mentioned the first episode is going to be in every single yep. one, which is good, good versus, versus evil. In everything, the foundation of every single narrative. And then there's, you know, treasure hunting, adventure, so stealing cultural artifacts equals, equals good, good, which it's not. But the movie, we have to admit that the movie comes from a different time, potentially when things were not like when issues like this weren't necessarily easily identifiable or spoken about. I think usually when you see this sort of thing in movies, though, it's like we it's it's that you do you it's either get stolen by someone who's bad and is going to sell it or, or someone who's like, I want to study it and I want it to be like like no made aware which is like yeah there's that it's it kind of like it's getting stolen but who yeah. do you want it to get stolen by lesser yeah. of two evils sort of thing yeah yeah i mean it's just yeah it, you just have to yeah, think about it a little bit when you're watching it i mean you don't have to think about it but you will see it you'll be like oh there's those two giant bags of treasure that they're taking home with them. <laughs> but they didn't mean to it just so happened what are, so happen. what are you gonna you do what are you gonna do you get you get home and you didn't look in the back seat of your car like oh there's two bags of money in here <laughs> May as well keep it. Like, what are you going to do? Audience, let us know. Yeah. Well, what would you choose um, if you're in that situation? I mean, to be fair, they were, they couldn't really put it back because the entire place had sealed itself, but they could just toss it into the sand. Yeah, I guess. And the third one's pretty deep. The third deep. one third. is there's no upside to messing, things, messing with things you can't explain. Deep. Which is um, actually a lion stolen from Castle. <laughs> about about a fake curse that isn't real. Um, I believe it may have even been a curse of the mummy episode. It but was. I'm not sure. I think it was because he he thinks he's cursed the whole time. Yeah. So, but I mean, that's just general life advice. But especially in relation to this movie, Evie was like, "It's just a book; it'll be fine." And she unleashed Imhotep upon the people. Yes. And then he decided to try and sacrifice her. So you know. And then the second one, how did they? How did he come back? So the second one is oh, what's um, it? Noxuna Moon's reincarnation does some stuff. Yeah, and then they kidnap that kid, and then there's because of the there's a bracelet, the bracelet with the Scorpion King. It's very very strange. The second one is not my favorite. I like the first and third. That's the other. We're, we're, you're at the end of your list. I just want to talk to you. How do you feel? Because the first two, and we, this has been heavily Egypt-based, mm-hmm. but the third Tomb of the Dragon Emperor actually goes into more of a it's Chinese, Chinese background. Mm. Is there anything, do you know how, if that's particularly accurate? or like I mean, I didn't look into it, so this would be based on my current knowledge as opposed to actual research looking into it. It's probably about as accurate as any mummy movie, which yep. is to say not very I mean, I mean, it's it, it, the the idea of Shang Shangri La has persisted in a lot of Western media, but I don't know any of any of its actual historical or mythological context in that in that yeah. sense. Uh, again, it's probably heavily played upon. Yeah, I mean, it for the audience. It kind of just stip- it it makes the assumption that every one of the terracotta warriors is just an actual person turned yeah. into, which plays off the fact that I think. Every terracotta warrior is 
slightly different there than the is, next. So the, the artists yeah. made them a little different. It plays there, off that. There is, I suppose, a bit of um, – so in it's fairly – or not fairly common, but it is sort of like a trope in some Chinese fiction that you can, I suppose, call upon the dead or that the dead can return to exact vengeance on you. Um, so that the bit where she raises all the warriors and one's her like dead lover and it's all very like epic but also like really sad that that sort of does play out I would say fairly often in some in some types of fantasy Chinese fiction so that's probably coming from that sort of place but yeah. I mean in terms of historical actual and mythological value the mummy is not really somewhere to look <laughs> it's a great movie which is why we're talking about it but um it, but it's not yeah, it, it's it, got some it's cool lore, but it's not accurate. It's not accurate. It's just a fun, fun time, and it's a fun. I suppose, look, it, you don't have to be respectful to mythology. It's good to educate yourself. I think if you're interested in that, as someone who is super into mythology, it's it's great fun to sort of delve into it. But as with any story, how you then take that and twist it to your own means is that's up to you yeah. and there's nothing wrong with doing that. It's how we get new stories or fun versions of old ones, such as The Mummy, which is coming off like the 40s and things like that. Exactly. And I think that's a good place to end it. Yeah. So uh, that's been another episode of Second World Problems. Yep. Thank you for educating us. It was my pleasure. I mean, this one wasn't so much educating as me ranting about how much I hate Tom Cruise, but I'm happy to do that too. Yes. Do we want to talk about what we're doing next or do you want to leave it as... Well, uh, last time I cheated and saw what we're doing next because of the Word document, but the Word document ends after this one, so I don't even know what we're doing next. Yeah, okay. I haven't put it in there yet, but I'm going to. I just want to... It's not... I haven't finished doing the research Fair. I think we don't mention it. It's a surprise. surprise. But tell me after. (laughs) Are you sure? Because this one will be lesser known, so maybe people can get a jump on watching Uh, it. Well, if if it's less known, we can... Maybe we'll tell them. I will point out that The Mummy 1999 and 2017 were on Australian Netflix, but are no longer. They're not on Stan or Prime either, so we can't recommend where you watch that. Probably go buy it from JB. Yep. Don't buy the new one. Buy, buy the old don't one. Buy support, the, don't give su- them money. Support the old one, but don't support don't the Don't give one. them money. But yeah, um, if that's how you want to do it, legal and appropriate, we support that. But yeah, how, uh, if you, yeah, you can't find it on any current streaming services. So how you obtain that is um, your prerogative. Wink, wink. But since next week, we're probably not going to do something that is very well known. I'll probably say that what we'll be looking at. So it's it, it's on Australian Netflix. If you want to check it out prior or if you're, I'm happy for you to reserve your judgment until after the episode because it is lesser known. But on Australian Netflix, check out The Untamed. It is a Chinese fantasy drama. You will have to watch it with subtitles, but. You know, it's pretty fucking good. So. But hey, people have a thing against subtitles. But guys, I'm here to tell you that the uh, best film of the last year was a subtitled movie. So Parasite. Listen to Dealer's Choice to hear more about it. <laughs> get So get with it and check out The Untamed and check out Parasite while you're yeah, at it. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Check it it's all 2020. Out. Subtitles you are got in. Avatar, Mummy, Untamed, Parasite. you got so much to do. So much homework. So much required reading. Yeah. <laughs> required watching. Required acting. I don't know. Yeah. it's But it's fun stuff. Yeah. If you're doing a degree uh, at Second World Problems University. No, you're doing a Second World Problems degree at Spiky Trap University. Yeah. It's pretty good. Yeah. Hell yeah. Um, we can't give you a certificate at the end, but you will know so many useless we things. We can give you a crisp thumbs up. <laughs> <laughs> and on that, I think good we should job. end. <laughs> Bye. Bye. <laughs>